Dotnet Rocks episode 822 with guest Dan North. Recorded live Wednesday, November 7th, 2012. This episode is brought to you by Telerik and by Franklins.net, training developers to work smarter. And now offering Gesture Pack, a powerful gesture recording and recognition system for Microsoft Connect for Windows developers. Details at gesturepak.com. And now here are Carl and Richard. Thank you very much. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell coming to you from the stage at the Better Software Conference in Orlando, Florida. Hey, man. Hi, sir. How are you? That's good. Got, Sunny Florida. We've got a few interviews today at the Better Software Conference, and tonight we're over in Orlando. Yeah. And that show will probably come out after this one, so hopefully all that will line up. But the road trip continues. And uh, devintersection.com, our, our conference. At the end of the very end of the road trip, we're going to be in Las Vegas for four days. Yeah. Uh, there's pre-con, post-con, three days of conferences. I wonder if it's already happened. I doubt it. By the time people are hearing this. Are we having time shift challenges here? Time no, shift challenges. I think challenges. it won't have happened yet. But well, that's we'll, good. We'll be getting closer. That'll be December 9th through the 13th. Yeah. And I hope you'll the, come uh, out. Yeah. That'll MGM be- Grand, 65 bucks a night. And lots of tablets. Yes. Lots of tablets. Tablet for people who signed up early. Yep. And, uh, the and Franklin you should be Brothers. one of them. Franklin Brothers Band. It's going to be fun. Devintersection.com. All right. So, better know framework. <laughs> All right, sir, what do you got? I have basically a pointer into the MSDN documentation. Really? On ASP.NET routing. Oh, okay. A-R-R. That's it. Tinyurl.com slash .NET routing, D-O-T-N-E-T routing, mm-hmm. which still remains a mystery to many people. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you want the mystery solved, go here because the docs in MSDN are just fabulous. And uh, it tells you how to do routing in web forms, how to do it in MVC. Um, you know, what, what the configuration looks like, what the code looks like. It's actually really, really easy. Nice. So, know it, learn it, love it. Yep. You know what routing is. How you about, want it. How about I say what routing is? That yes. would be a good idea. ASP.NET routing allows you to construct URLs that look like subdirectories off right. of your web root. So, you have, uh, you know, let's say, you know, handsomeminutes.com slash show slash 139. Right. We'll bring you to show 139. Rather the than that, that query string show equals yeah. 139. And the reason you'd like to do that is because the search engines will pick up on those URLs, but they won't pick up on query strings. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's better. It's better. It's way better. Know it, learn it, love it. Know it, learn it, love it. Richard, who's talking to us? Grabbed another comment off of the very productive comment engine that is show 811. Yeah. That's the one we did with Alan Stevens and Leon Gersing talking about leading developers. And this comment comes from Mike, who says, uh, Hi, guys. Great show. Regarding the discussion about just leaving a company that doesn't work for you, as a divorced person, I have a slightly different take on it. Oh, At boy. what point do you have a worthwhile investment that needs a trip to the counselor? You can't just leave unless you can't or aren't willing to change. Mm. I do have a question, though. I'm certainly guilty of falling into the complainer role on occasion. Yep. Usually it is because of a feeling of lack of control or not understanding where or how I can influence. That's exactly what we're talking about. Uh, the You know, the guy who's sitting in the back just sort of, you know, I've seen this before and, you know, I'm going to throw rocks at these guys. Yep. But, and they don't deserve my, my input because, because they're not asking. That's me, right. You know. Uh, is there a mental string to tie on our fingers to change behavior, to fight back from falling into that role? Right. And I, I think well, that's you, a question for us. Yeah. Um, 
I think just being aware of it is uh, probably the the best thing you can do. Well, and it's just being aware that we have these behaviors. There are certain things you don't say, right? It's like don't yeah. you don't come at a problem without working coming it from a point of view of a solution, right? Right. Yes, you've you've seen an issue, but you know it takes the thought to actually say how are we going to solve right. this, right? Yeah, there's, that's there's a right. lot about language around there. Yeah, I do remember talking about uh, being in an, on a team where. Uh, one guy brought up all the problems that we had, but n- didn't offer solutions, just chose to, you know, make them just cr- personal criticisms mm-hmm. and, and attacks without, without anything. You'd have to be an idiot to write code like That's that. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and, and, and to your first point there, Mike, I, I'm not saying you should immediately leave a company. I think there's an empowerment in recognizing that you can, and so that you don't get into this passive aggressive role right. of, I can't leave, so I can't say anything. Right. It's that, you know, once you have the power to be comfortable to go where you want to go and that you can do what you want to do, then you're also willing to open to having those conversations say, how do I make this better? Right. Or do I have to go? You know, I think the way we really express it, we're talking about that is, is the only way for me to fix this to go somewhere else? Right. Or is there a better solution to that? Sure. But let me finish Mike's comment here. He says, I've certainly learned how to step back from the code and accept feedback. I've seen firsthand how the quality of code goes up and learn from it so that I don't make those mistakes again. I especially like group code review. Everybody learns and gets closer as a team. So thanks very much and keep up the good work. And Mike, hey, thanks for your great comment. Uh, We're happy to discuss it. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'd like to send you a .NET Rocks mug. So I'll be getting to you to get you one. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, just write a comment on the show at .NETrocks.com. And before we go any further, I need to tell you that Pluralsight offers comprehensive developer training online. They have uh, 300, 350 courses or so, Mm -hmm. all uh, from industry experts and MVPs and people such as appear on our show. Indeed. And topics cover just about everything on the Microsoft stack, plus Java, HTML5, CSS, JavaScript, uh, you name it, it's up there. Uh, Subscriptions start at just $29 a month, Pluralsight.com. And that brings us to Mr. Dan North. He's our guest today, programmer and organizational change specialist Dan North applies principles from lean operations and agile software development to help organizations align their technology capabilities with their business objectives. With 20 years of experience in IT, Dan is a frequent speaker at technology conferences worldwide, has published feature articles in numerous software and business publications, and contributed to the RSpec book, Behavior Driven Development with RSpec, Cucumber, and Friends, and 97 Things Every Programmer Should Know, Collective Wisdom from the Experts. Welcome, Dan. Hi. Great to have you back, sir. Great to have you back. Lovely to be back. Last time we talked to you, we were in Norway, I believe. I believe that's true. Yeah. Now we're in Florida. But it's a lot of the same kind of conversations. What were we talking about in Norway? In in, I can't remember. We We were on a a panel, an agile panel, the state of software development, I believe. Oh, that's uh, right. That's when you called out uh, Uncle Bob Bob. and... Yes, they were the the Waldorf, Waldorf and Statler. <laughs> Waldorf and Statler, right? Agile's rubbish. It's useless. It's terrible. Yeah, I it's hate terrible. it. I like it. It's okay. It's fantastic. Remind me why we're here again. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think we mixed beer in with that too, so it oh, only got worse. All the best panels. All the best panels have beer. It's true. Yeah. So you're talking about embracing uncertainty. Yes, I am. So, is that like uncoupling the Heisenberg compensators? Un- <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Yes, it's it, it, it's, it's 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 opening the box and seeing and, and and checking on the state of Schrodinger's cat. 
That's, ex- that's exactly yes. what we're doing. Um, you're, you're outing the cat. I'm outing the cat. You're really, half the time at least, killing the cat. <laughs> Are you that guy, Dan? You got to kill cats. Well, there's a 50% probability that I am. Uh, yes. <laughs> I'm almost certain that uncertainty is going to be here to stay. So, yes. And what do you mean when you say embracing it? Like what, what's the, Uncertainty is always there. Well, y- yeah. This is the thing. Um, so, I've been looking at... Uh, I guess unusually effective software teams okay. over the last probably two or three years is a good way to describe them. Um, and one of the things I noticed while I was looking at these teams is, and working with these teams, is their ability to manage uncertainty and to deal with uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And that got me thinking about like, is, is that a thing that they do that's like special and different or, you know, or is that a thing that everyone does and I just happen to notice it in this team? Right. And then, and then I had this like, aha moment where I realized that an awful lot of certainly the agile, the big A agile methods Mm -hmm. are about uh, creating certainty in a software delivery process. Sure. Okay, sure. Yeah. So, 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 you know, all all, like there was a great, uh, one of the tweets from the conference was something about uh, a great uh, definition of of agile is that it it, it gives you predictability in your delivery process and all this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Right. And predictability comes from certainty, comes yes. from, you know, I want to be able to uh, estimate and, and, and all those things. How long is it going to take to build this? How long when am I going to get it? How much is it going to cost? Yeah. And let's do that in story points or gummy bears or something after leaving. Right. You know, yeah, nebulous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> NTUs is my favorite. Nebulous time units. Nebulous time units. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and so, and that got me thinking about where, where these methods came from. And so now like, let's go back like 15 years, mid nineties. Mm-hmm. And most software development process was this. I've got a great idea for a new product. I'll see you in about three years. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, we're going to go dark for about three years, and then we're going to unveil this thing. Oh, no, we're not. Yeah, oh, it didn't yeah. work. Yeah. Oh, okay. or, or but, you, but no, it's okay, because we got rid of the guys who did that, because they were useless. Right. Back to yeah. the kind of who's fault. That's right. It, <laughs> and now, they just did now, it wrong. Yeah, exactly. Now we've got we Carl. Will do it right. Now we've got Carl in, and Carl's, yeah. Carl's the new guy, and he's going to make it all. And Carl's looking at this and going, yeah, I can see where they went wrong. Right. I'll take about two years to do this, and yeah. and, think, and and this and, and this it was fails the, again, yeah. right? And so and so we had a history of literally of zero delivery, right? And so methods like Scrum and Crystal and XP and all these things emerged from that space, saying, how can we get from zero delivery to any delivery? Yeah, you know, if sooner. We could, yeah, at all, right? If we right. could get from like you know uh, no delivery to like delivery every ninety days, every three or four, three or four, that's that's miraculous. Failing right? fast is actually a feature. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and at that point, kind of, you know, like the, the, the idea of a scrum sprint being in you know, six weeks yep. was, was crazy. There's no way you could do anything in, in a shorter time as six weeks. Right. Mm. And so, and so where they're talking about uh, predictability and that kind of thing in software delivery is going from just this black box, no information, no feedback, no anything mm-hmm. to something that I can get some sense of, ah, right. Okay. So in six weeks, I'll see another thing. In six weeks, I'll see another thing. And that, you know, having that kind of cadence was, was game changing. Right. So, so then we said, okay, well now, and, and th- this is then where the sort of the, the, the cart ends up in front of the horse or whatever is we say, we, we start optimizing for just that. So yeah. we say, uh, great. So now I've got this certainty. I, I had chaos. Now I have certainty. Therefore, more certainty is better. Right. Yes. Yeah. Keep loading it up. Yeah. Keep loading up the certainty. And so then we get into these, like, you know, pseudo scientific, heavyweight estimating, top down processes of, like, you know, uh, we get like Fibonacci. Mm-hmm. So sure. you can't have four days. You can have five days or three days. 
Why? Because <laughs> arbitrarily... Oh, and, and actually, the reason for Fibonacci, there's no data about Fibonacci at all. It's yeah. just a, a well-known sequence with gaps in. Right. right. And because it's got gaps in, if you want to pick a number that's in a gap, you have to have a conversation. And really what it does is it drives conversations. Ah, uh, great point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we have to talk about this. We have to end up talking about it. So... So any, any sequence with gaps in would be fine. Yep. Uh, but all, all of the planning poker playing cards all now use Fibonacci, so that's what we've ended up with. <laughs> all right, sure. But so, 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 so we're looking at these uh, teams moving, uh, you know, at all is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And, and, but then, then it gets a bit disingenuous. Then you get, uh, methods like Scrum describing themselves as hyperproductive. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I was, you know, I was as much a proponent of all this stuff as anyone else. And mm-hmm. I was out there, uh, coaching my agile stuff and saying, this is how we do delivery. And if you can be delivering, you know, into production every week, you know, weekly iterations is fantastic. Right. Or the Kanban guys with their flow and they can release whenever they want. Wow. That's pretty impressive. And then I start working with teams that are putting drops into a live production environment, like 20 to 30 times a day. Wow. It's like, a whole like, other release, speed. release, release. And it's the, 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 the thing, uh, yeah, I, the thing that it reminds me of is, uh, Bart Simpson hassling Homer for, mu- for money. Mm-hmm. He goes, Hey, 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 Homer, can I, you know, can I get yeah. 10 bucks? Yeah. No. How about now? Yeah. How about now? Yeah. How about now? Yeah. How about now? Yeah. Right. How about now? And he keeps yeah, yeah. on like, ah, here's 10 bucks. <laughs> and, and this, this is how these guys are delivering, uh, you know, uh, front office trading applications. Right. Is the trader saying, Oh, I've got this idea. Uh, it would be great if, the, if the system did X. And they go, How about now? How about now? How about now? Yes, we're fine. And, and, and they, they, they can iterate that quickly. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik. Hey, can you ever have too many free tools to complement your development skills? I didn't think so. So our friends at Telerik are giving you now more than 30 free products for application development, automated testing, agile project management, and content management. And we're talking free-free. Not a trial, not a demo, but free, complete products supported by a community of over 440,000 developers at Telerik Forums. From free ASP.NET AJAX, ASP.NET MVC, and Silverlight controls, to the free ORM solution and automated testing framework, to free agile management tools and content management systems, all of these and more are available to you for immediate download at Telerik.com slash free stuff. Most of the free products can be used for commercial purposes and give you access to supplemental support resources such as documentation and forms. Go to Telerik.com slash free stuff now and take full advantage of the available free of charge products. And don't forget to thank them for supporting .NET Rocks. Wow. It seems to me this is a sort of a a human failing that uh, we think that we know everything that we're ever going to know right at this moment and therefore should be able to make a decision about anything right at this moment. But sometimes, isn't it, and maybe this is what you're getting at, maybe not, but sometimes it's better to postpone that decision until we have all the, all the information that we need to make that decision wisely. Well, so, so deferring decisions is definitely a part of it, but I think there's a, there's a deeper human thing, mm-hmm. which is that we, we crave certainty. Right. Yeah. Um, and we crave certainty, uh, and seriously, it's, it's, it's a neural thing. You can get, you can get, uh, mentally, emotionally unstable if, mm-hmm. if, if you're, if you're trying to manage too much uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And so what we do is rather than living with uncertainty, we will introduce structure or we'll introduce certainty even if we know that certainty is wrong. Right. Arbitrary um, structure. Arbitrary structure. And, and the example I use is, um, is religion. 
because I've, I've studied religion quite a lot. I'm, I'm a mm-hmm. Christian. I'm a card-carrying Christian. I, I describe myself as someone who has faith, but not religion. Okay, right? sure. So, so, so faith is one thing. Religion is when people put stuff on top of it mm-hmm. and yeah. constructs and all this kind of thing. And I studied Christianity because that's my, that's my lot. Right. I also studied things like Buddhism, um, various other kind of world religions, just because I'm interested in them. Mm-hmm. And there's a common theme in them of, this, of unknowable things. Yeah. So uh, Buddhism has koans. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and and the idea of a, of a of a puzzle that is there, it, it's not answerable. And right. struggling with the answer is the point of it. Right, that's the whole idea. Um, oh, you look in in Christianity. Don't think of a monkey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. Oh, well, well that, that's even better. Yeah, d- yeah. Don't think of elephants. Yeah. Don't yeah, think the, of a the, monkey. Yeah, right. The, 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 yeah. Deleting the word don't. Um, but so 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 Christianity has things called mysteries, right. and the point of a mystery is it's unknowable. We can't right. know it, and, right. and there's all sorts of bits of. All. And so what happens is every few centuries it splits the church. Right. So you'll have an argument about something that if you go and look is is unknowable. Right. And so that so the only conclusion you can draw is it's unknowable. Oh, that's not good enough. I yeah. have to know. I have to well, know. So this has been the the way humans have evolved in their but, stories is we've made up stories to fill in the. Things that we don't know. To fill in that when we don't know, we make shit up. Yeah, we make shit up. <laughs> and 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 the, the the best bit is we make shit up even when we know we're making shit up. That's yeah. right. Because yeah. it's a good story. It's a great story. It's not enough for it to be unknowable. Right. And so and so bringing this back to you know day job, bring this back to like you know software delivery and organizations and that kind of thing. We don't want to. How, we, we don't want to acknowledge this uncertainty. So, mm-hmm. so the first thing we do, so uncertainty sounds like weak, weird stuff. So, so, so we yeah. use a business word, risk. So sure. if, we, if we apply the word risk, so mm-hmm. I say, oh, I'm, I'm really uncertain about this. Sounds like you just haven't done your homework. Right. right. Say, well, I think this is risky, actually, Carl. I think this is risky. Yeah, exactly. Because oh, well, that's, like that's, a, a, that's yeah. a certain way to, to, to talk about uncertainty, isn't it? Right. Risk. Yeah. Risk is a thing. Risk we is have, a thing. We can measure it. It goes up yes. when the uncertainty goes up. Yes. Right? And yeah. so, and so, exactly. And so, um, so, so, so then, so then we try and impose stuff that gives us the, the illusion of certainty. Right. And this then is where an awful lot of planning, particularly in software projects and agile projects, planning and estimation is a disaster mm-hmm. because you've got your Donald Rumsfeld unknown unknowns. Yeah. Right. So, so, yeah. I, so I, I've got that. I can look at, I can look at a delivery. I can look at a thing I'm about to do, and I can say. These are the bits of it that I don't know about. I don't know. Maybe I don't know about the architecture. I don't right. know about the organizational constraints. Mm-hmm. I don't know about my integration points. I'm going to go and find out about those. Mm. What I don't know is what I don't know about. Right. I don't know that the vendor is going to be late getting the kit to me because right. I don't know that they've just changed account manager and I don't know that the handover was really bad. Yeah. Right. I don't know that I don't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to come and bite me later. I also don't know uh, that uh, one of my team is already thinking about quitting and they've just been given a fantastic job offer and right when I just don't need them to leave, they're going to hand in their notice. I don't know that. Right, mm-hmm. right. And I don't know that I don't know that because they seem pretty happy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so how can you code for some situation that you don't know? Bingo. And, and, th- and this is where the uncertainty comes in. And so um, one of the things I've been talking about for the last couple of years is, is a thing called deliberate discovery. Okay. And deliberate discovery kind of works a bit like this. It says, um, so we have accidental discovery in projects. Mm-hmm. Accident- the sound of accidental discovery happening is, oh, crap. Oh crap, the server's going to be late. Yeah. Oh crap, the API doesn't do what we thought it was going to do. Right. Oh crap, you're what? Not again. (laughs) (laughs) And and where this started, this started with a a really awesome uh, Australian agile coach that I know. Um, 
called Steve Hayes. Steve mm-hmm. Hayes is one of these no bullshit kind of guys. And I'm out this few years ago. I'm out in uh, in Australia, and I'm doing a, I'm visiting a company who are doing BDD, and I'm you know, I'm a BDD guy, and I'm really excited to be there, and they're excited, and we're talking about how they're doing work. And this guy, Steve, who wasn't even supposed to be in this session, he just mm-hmm. gate crashed it. Mm-hmm. Sits at the back and he calls bullshit on me. He says, uh, "So Dan, yeah, so this BDD thing, you reckon it's a pretty good way to deliver software? Yeah. How come I keep getting all these oh shit moments then?" Right. So I, I make it PG, you know, family safe and call it oh crap moments. That's like, all right. We've already said yeah, the S yeah. word so many times. How, how, why, why do I keep getting all these old shit moments? And I was floored. I was like, that's a really good question. I'm yeah. going to think about that. Right. And so, and that's where the idea of the accidental discovery came from. Yeah. So, so, so that, that immediately gives you two things. Firstly, when an oh crap moment happens is you're, you're reducing your ignorance. You're currently mm-hmm. ignorant about something and you don't know that you are. Right. And so now an oh crap moment happens and you become less ignorant. Right. Yeah. Instantaneously. You know, you know what you don't know. You now know that you didn't know that thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's typically multivariate as well. You, 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 you become less ignorant about a technology thing and a process thing and an organizational thing and a people thing pretty much simultaneously. Right. Because you were supposed to be providing this piece of information to these guys and you just, you know what I mean? So, and so, of course, the knowledge dictates that you act on it. Well, and well, it, it, at least now you've got the option to act on it. You yeah. didn't have the option before because you didn't right. even know that was an axis you should have been aware of. Right, right. right. So, so then I got to thinking, what if... So, well, so, 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 so two things. One is that this now, if you imagine... The, the the degree to which you are ignorant is the thing that's slowing you down as you go along. If mm-hmm. you could know all these things, right. you'd always be making good choices. You'd always be making the good decision. You'd always be taking the shortest path. Mm-hmm. But right. we don't. We go down rat holes. We try things that's that right. fail. Mm-hmm. We get so far, and then we discover something's let us down, and we've got to do another. You know, that stuff's happening all the time. So so there's there's is there is there something we could do to pull that you know, ignorance reduction earlier? Mm-hmm. Could we discover deliberately? And and that got me thinking, well, okay, so second order ignorance then. I don't know what I don't know. Well, mm-hmm. I'm in my head, right? You're in your head in, mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Carl mm-hmm. and, and Richard, you're in your head. So, and, and in our heads, walking through life, we, there's a bunch of stuff we don't know that we don't know. Mm-hmm. Right. A great way to discover that we don't know something is to hang out together. Right. Because there's stuff that you just take for granted that I, that I don't know. Right. I'm not even aware of. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get chatting to Carl about music. And he tells me something that he's doing in his studio. And I'm like, I didn't even know that existed. Wow, I'm going to go find out more about that. Right. Right. I'm now only first order ignorant. Or you listen to .NET Rocks. Yeah, or you listen to .NET Rocks and you go, (laughs) really? You can do, you can do routing or or as, as, as we call it in Blighty, routing. Yeah. Routing. Um, Routing. You can, you can, you can do that. That's what we do to our Android phones. Yes. (laughs) Yes. You route them. No, that's a different thing. That's what we do to villages. So, yeah, so, 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 you know, so this thing exists now. I didn't even know that, mm-hmm. that the .NET stack had a, a single canonical answer to routing because it's mm-hmm. a hard problem. Mm-hmm. Um, now I know that. I, d- I don't need you to tell me how it works. I can go off and, def- and find that out for myself. Sure. I'm only first order ignorant. You have a right. known unknown yeah. now. Right. I know I've got a known unknown. Yeah. I'm into that quadrant. Yeah. So, so then it suddenly landed that, that a great way to do, um, to, 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 to start thinking about deliberate discovery would be in your planning sessions, what you really want to be doing isn't top-down decomposition of stuff into stories and story point estimation and planning poke and all that nonsense. It's that that that's a that's a fine and worthwhile activity, mm-hmm. and you may discover stuff, but that'll be accidental discovery because right. you're not you're not going out of your way to discover. You're going out of your way to plan. Right. Yeah. Right? Instead, go out of your way to discover, and now you're getting deliberate about it. So 
breaking down the domain into smaller pieces, which is what you're doing when you break down into stories, mm -hmm. that's one that's one axis on which you can become less ignorant. Right. Mm -hmm. But you're not becoming less ignorant on things like uh, understanding the security implications of things, the compliance implications of things. Mm -hmm. Right. The uh, business sponsor isn't talking to the operations guy and the tester overhears and says, but that doesn't matter, that, 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 that wouldn't happen. Right. And, and what, so, so what you really want to optimize for in, in any kind of planning session is serendipitous, like, overhearing of things. Mm -hmm. Right. Hang on, you're, you, you two aren't connecting. I can right. tell you're not connecting or you're, you're making this massive assumption. And it's just occurred to me that why, why wouldn't you make that assumption? Right. Mm -hmm. And so let me throw in a, a, a knowledge grenade that's going to make you first order <laughs> ignorant and go, oh, <laughs> oh, blimey. Well, that, that would have, that would have oh, completely crap. derailed it. Oh, crap. Right? <laughs> so now, so now what we're doing is we're, 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 we're now, we're now maximizing the oh, craps per unit time. Nice. <laughs> and, and this then becomes planning because really the point of planning isn't give me a story backlog and it isn't give me a number of points. It's, how much will this cost? Like, how big of a box is it? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, when can I have it? What will it do? Okay, so you've got scope and time, basically. And the third axis is how confident are you mm -hmm. in those two things? Yeah. Because if you can be confident in those two things, I want accuracy, not precision. If you tell me right. it's going to take seven months and it takes eight months, that's fine. Sure. If you tell me it's going to take 7.623 months and it takes four years, that's not okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I want accuracy. I, I could care less about precision. Right. Okay. So and and so so this now turns planning on its head. Well, it sounds like planning becomes a residual of resolving the unknowns. Well, it, it, not resolving the unknowns of of identifying where the dragons might be. Right. Because mm. now when I start estimating, I'm doing like a big picture estimating. I'm saying, well, this having spent this time in this discovery exercise, mm -hmm. which we're going to call planning because people need a label for it. Sure. But it's basically it's a deliberate discovery workshop or thing that you're going to do over a bunch of time, maybe yeah, several yeah. of them. Yeah. You're going to come out of that saying, well, we roughly think, you know, we've, we've all done a ton of delivery. We roughly think it's this big. Yeah. You know, we roughly think it's about eight to 12 months. And we roughly think we're going to need a team of about 10 people. Right. That's all you need. You don't need to have any more detail than that. It's, mm. so, so then it becomes an investment conversation. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, that's great. So I, I think it's worth spending eight to 12 months of 10 people's time solving that. Right. That's a great investment because I'll get this for it. Or Really? That's <laughs> madness. Let's not do that at all. Let's do a different thing. Yeah, there's no right. point doing that. There's no point doing that. Yeah. That's all you want out of planning. But the, and, the, and this is the bit that always gets overlooked or ignored or you know, shoved under the rug is, and how confident are you? Right. Well, actually, we've got everyone who could possibly have an opinion about this in the room. We've got them talking to each other Pizza. in ways they wouldn't normally. Right. Discovering off of each other domains that they don't normally even go into. Right. Knocking down these Knocking unknown down unknowns. Knocking down the unknown unknowns. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and planting a load of flags around the place saying, right, here right. might be dragons. Yes. Yeah. Right. So you, you na the, that process naturally built consensus. And what we've done is we, if we, 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 we've, we've brought all those old crap moments forward. Right. So we've, so we've done as much as we can of reducing our ignorance right. early on. Mm -hmm. Now, there's still unknowables, right? There's still yes. stuff that even if you did all that, you still couldn't know. Yeah. And that's fine. So you plan for that. That's okay. Mm -hmm. and, and, but your process then is, isn't I need to do delivery. Your process is then... At every moment, I have to assume there's a, there's something that I'm second order ignorant of. There's something that right. I currently don't know. Right. That if I knew, it would change my decision. It would change so my direction. So there's also lots of times that you can sort of uh, pre uh, pre know the things, or or you know say you know what would really bugger me up right now would be if this happened. So why don't I go make sure that this isn't going to happen? Right. So, right. You, you, so can you choose can, where you put floodlights. Right. You yeah. can you can put yeah. on your evil hat and think yeah. of yes. all the ways that all the ways that I can get messed up right here 
Let me make a checklist of these and then go investigate what the possibility is of, of those happening. Cynicism as a service. Yeah. Cynicism as a service, exactly. Well, no, so, so uh, Edward de Bono has a fantastic process for this called Six Thinking Hats. Mm-hmm. And Six Thinking Hats is, um, is exactly that, it's cynicism as a service. Mm. The idea is you've got these, well, these six different colored hats and they, mm-hmm. and they represent styles of thinking. So there's a style of thinking that is just mindless optimism. Right. I'm yellow yep. hat. It's the sun shining. Everything's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Imagine everything was perfect. What would happen if? Right. right. Is one style of thinking. Uh, the black hat is kind of the opposite of that. It's like doom and gloom and risk and critique and that'll never work because. Mm-hmm. Right. And and the and the and there's there's a bunch of others. But but the six thinking hat model is is effectively it says, as a group of people, we are all going to wear the same hat at the same time. Yeah. So rather than it being an adversarial, oh, this will be great. No, it right. won't. It'll be rubbish. Right. It's let's all pretend it's going to be great and have that conversation. Right. right. As we're going along, Richard's going to go, that it never worked. No, that's great black hat thinking. We're going to do some black hat in a minute. We'll Write there. it down. Yeah, Capture right. it. Write it down. Yeah, yeah. Right. And now I'm acknowledging. I'm not saying, oh, Richard's a sour Richard's person. Right, Richard's yeah, right. just, oh, Richard's here. We're going to uh, have that conversation. It's going <laughs> to be all bad. It's, it's going to be all bad. No, you know, if I've got a compliance person, a regulatory person, a security person, I want them wearing a black hat most of the time. Yeah. Right. I want them telling me all the different ways I'm going to get sued or pwned or any of that stuff. Yep, right. Yep, yeah. yep. Now, what I don't want, though, is that while we're trying to have uh, discovery, brainstorming, workshop stuff, that every time anyone opens their mouth, they go, wrong, that won't work. Yeah. Right. Because that just kills any innovation. Sure. So instead, we say, right, we are going to value. What's going to happen is you guys, when we do the black hat stuff, you're going to be pretty much leading that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. I now have value and a purpose in this. Right. Sure. We're also not going to be shutting down your criticism either because it's black hat time. Because it, it's right. really positive black hat thinking. Yeah. Right. It's not a negative. There, there are no negatives. Yeah. Right. Right. And, right. and, and there, there's other ones. There's like, there's a green hat, which is like a growth thing. So it says, uh, like, imagine like grass growing. So it's, it's okay. Let's take this idea. And let's just let's just run with this idea. Imagine that happened, and then this happened. Right. Where could that go? Right. And and again, if everyone's doing that in the same direction, it's crazily productive. Mm-hmm. Wow! And they did so. So Edward Obama took this into NASA, and they had this is like this, the story he opens the book with. Um, mm. And again, it's one of these like it's it's been in print for like a million years, so it costs mm. like five bucks or something. <laughs> uh, um, and he, he opens the story. With, he opens the, the book with a story where uh, NASA, who who are pretty good at making decisions and take that stuff yeah. very seriously, you take that stuff seriously. They've given themselves two days to make a critical decision about the space program because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it was a big decision and it needed a lot of people in a room and blah. And they invited Edward de Bono in as a facilitator and he comes in and he says, well, we're going to do the six thinking hats thing. Within three hours, they had a decision. It was entirely unanimous. Mm-hmm. Everyone was stood behind it and they went, we just got a day and a half back. Thanks, Edward. Nice. Yeah. Like, this is it's powerful awesome. stuff. So, so, yeah, I mean, you literally can have cynicism as a service. Yeah. And, it's, it's a, and, and actually you need it. And yes, yeah, you need it. It's part of the overall balanced consideration of this. Well, and, and I think, you know, this to me is the thing that's gotten lost. It's a planning. Mm-hmm. It, is, it isn't about coming up with a plan. It's about understanding the landscape and how you're going to try and get across that the, landscape. The plan yeah. will emerge the, once you understand the landscape. Right. Yeah, yeah. right. And, and, and if what I have in my, in my landscape is one street lamp that I'm standing under, which is a tiny bit of light, and then everything around me is complete darkness, right. and then I'm going to start driving... Um, am I about to go off a cliff? Mm-hmm. Is this going to be completely plain sailing? Is there ice ahead? I don't know. What if instead I could just get some degree of light, any degree of light, right. as far out as I can? That stuff could uh, give me direction. Well, well, Richard, you know what time it is? It must be that happy time again. That's right. It's time to give away a uh, Telerik DevCraft complete collection to a lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. Today's winner, Russell Kirkwood from Saratoga Springs, New York. Congratulations, Russell. Saratoga. Saratoga Springs. 
And uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, go to .netrocks.com and click on the big Get Free Stuff button and join the fan club. We have thousands of members. And uh, every show, we give away a Telerik DevCraft Complete Collection, which is everything that they do. It's a heck of a collection of software. A couple thousand dollars worth of software And in this box. December, we're putting together a $5,000 geek out kit, the greatest and best stuff we could think of. And that day's getting close now, it's my friend. It's really getting close. So one of our winners is going to get this $5,000 package. And we've been asking our guests, if I gave you a check for 5000 bucks to spend on gadgets, what would you get? Oh, so I, I, I can answer this. Yay. I can answer this. Uh, it's going to be a blatant plug for just, I, I, I'm, I'm a Samsung fanboy. Uh, I've become a Samsung fanboy. There's some beautiful machines. The Series 9. That's series a 9. Machine. So, so I'm, I'm about to refresh with the new Series 9, but the new, new Series 9, 256 gig SSD hard mm -hmm. drive. Oh, is this a laptop or a tablet? Slate? It's, a, it's, a, it? it's a laptop. Yeah. So that's going to be, that's a couple of thousand bucks there. Oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah. They, no, it's, yeah gorgeous. it's an old Ultrabook style, right? So okay. real a, thin aluminum yeah, case. Yeah. Sliced tomatoes. Well, when it's well, it also, yeah, exactly. You can actually throw it across the room and, and yeah. chop off a, a, a supervillain's head, yes, which is fantastic. Right. Very so that's, that's what I do with some of the cash. Yeah, the rest of the cash, I'm going to put by. I'm going to put by just until the uh, Surface Pro comes out. Uh, you do want a Pro. Yeah. And I'm going to jump on one of those. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Very good. So it's all about the machines for you. It's all about, yeah. Mm -hmm. For me, I mean, so the thing is, I do a lot of traveling and yep. I do a lot of. I, I use a machine for lots of different things. So I do writing on it, I do coding on it, I do planning talks and mind maps and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So um, so I want something that's light, it's going to have a decent battery, and it's just going to be uh, all kinds of versatile. So, and, and at home I've got, like, I've got my 24-inch screen, and I can, sure. I can plug my laptop in, and then suddenly and I'm running a VM in that. So so I, I can do the kind of dev stuff I need to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so and I, I got the first Series 9, and it's uh, it's vintage now. It is. And it's just been joyful. It's such so a great, lovely great machine. System. I have its com its comparator, the Asus the UX31, but right, which is very much the same stuff. Yeah. Lovely yeah. piece of machinery. So, Dan, I've been thinking about decision-making quite a lot lately, and, and beliefs and decisions sort of go hand-in-hand hand because you have to decide to believe something. Um, and, uh, and, and there's this sort of truth that comes out of this, which is the more fundamental the decision that you make, the more ramifications that has on other decisions that you will make in the future. You sort of set yourself up to, you know, for a lot of things. So if you think of, of something that's very fundamental, which is, you know, are we going to go with a Mac or with a PC, you know, just mm -hmm. it, it sets yourself up for the kind of software you can run, you know, the, the, different features that you have, the hardware options that are available to you. Yeah. So a fundamental decision you can think of is always do this, never do that. Like, you know, only a Sith speaks in absolutes, right? <laughs> and the reason that that never, is, that is really absolutes. bad is because you have to now run every decision through that filter and you, you set yourself up for a rule that is so fundamental that it's just bound to break. So, so the, th the thing I think of is the more fundamental the decision that you make, the, the, the higher the cost when you're wrong. And so when you're making a decision, try to think about how far up the, the stack that is and, uh, you know, what are the other ramification things that, that this yes or no depends on in the tree of decision making. And, and there you can measure the cost of, of failure. If yeah, that's interesting. So you're, you're using the, so the word fundamental to mean something that, that has that, that then has implications to a bunch of other decisions. That's right. Yes. Um, there's a lovely school of of kind of thinking about this called real options. Mm -hmm. And so real options. Let's start with financial options. Mm -hmm. Are um, 
They're actually not nearly as complicated as, as traders would have you believe. But mm-hmm. that's, that's how traders become like right. wealthy by convincing you that they are. So an option, so so a a, a future mm-hmm. trade yep. is us agreeing to exchange something on a, on some date in the future. Right. That's it. Right. Yeah. I will buy uh, your sneakers for a hundred bucks in two weeks. And is a future. And it's you a must buy it. And we'll buy for a hundred dollars in yeah. two weeks. Yeah. So an an option is the right is the right, but not the obligation to right. do that. So it's like an insurance thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. I can, I can, I can bet against myself. I can bet that in uh, two weeks' time, I, I, I could buy your sneakers if, right. if I needed them, or mm-hmm. any time after. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, no, only then. So it's, a, oh, it's, okay. a, it's a, it has. So, 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 so the point of an option expires. It has a particular date at which yeah. it's going to be. After which it's worthless. Right. So that's that's that, that's one of the, what, that's one of the characteristics. So 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 an option. The first thing is an option has value, and mm-hmm. that value changes over time. Right. So whether or not I should be spending a hundred dollars on your sneakers, mm. as we get towards that date, m- m- how much I want to do that is going to go up or down. So right. the value right. of that decision to me is going to go up or down. Sure. That's the first thing. The second thing is it can expire. So there, there will be a point after which, no, you didn't buy my sneakers on that date. You don't get to buy them now. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and and so because of that. The third kind of the corollary of that is to not exercise an option unless you know why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. So you don't just go and spend it now because yeah, wait wait until nearer the time and then you've got. And more that's sort of what I was talking about about deferring decisions. Deferring decisions until okay. you actually have the all yeah. the information you need to make the decision, or as much as you think you're going to get. As much as you think you're going to get. So and so now, real option says apply that to every decision you make. Right. So any decision on a project, are we going to go with this technology stack or that technology stack? Are we going to uh, make this integration point? Should we hire this person? All of those decisions. Right. Each one of those is an option. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's, you've got the right to make that decision anytime up to the point where it doesn't matter anymore. Right. right. Yeah. So if you imagine your entire project portfolio, if you like, is just a big bunch of these real options, these decisions you can make. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, you, you've now got a model to start talking about your fundamental decisions. Mm-hmm. You can say, well, so the, as well as there being a, a value when I exercise this option, there's what's called a cost of reversal. Mm-hmm. So That's if, right. I, if, I, if I buy your sneakers for 100 bucks and I go, oh, I, oh, do you know what? Silly. They, they don't fit. Oh crap. Size. Oh crap. <laughs> the wrong size. Yeah. I discovered, I discovered just too late we had different shoe sizes. Oh no. So now I, I want to, what I'd love to do is just sell them back to you. Right. And you go, okay, for 30 bucks. I'm like, really? And you go, uh huh. Yeah. I'm a businessman. Yeah. So, right. right. So now the cost of reversal to me is $70. Right. right. Yeah. So it's now cost me $70 to have got that wrong. Mm-hmm. Now it turns out there are very, very few decisions. Uh, Particularly in our world, there are very few decisions that don't have a manageable cost of reversal. Right. So even that kind of Mac and a PC thing. So if you think, so, okay, we're gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy the the Macs versus PCs. Well, that affects the software. I can. Da, 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 sure. Da. Typically, that software is just a projection of you into some data. Mm-hmm. And so the data might be, you know, if if I'm going to be running Microsoft Office on a Mac or Microsoft Office on a uh, on, PC? On, on on a PC. The, the, the software is different. The mm-hmm. bytes are different. The binary is different. Right. But if, if what I'm then going to do is save that in some kind of cloud storage somewhere, then basically I'm just carrying around a local, a local cache of that. Yeah, right. Sure. So I could, so the cost of reversal is just, is the tin. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm now going to go out and get a, I'm going to get rid of the Mac because that wasn't working for me. I'm going to get the PC. Right. Windows 8. Oh, that's really good fun. Hey, guess what? I can open my documents. I haven't lost the information. All right. So another, how about this one? You know, we based all of our uh, development on, you know, uh, all thousand developers in our department on Silverlight. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. So again, what's the cost of reversal of that? Well, let's see. Um, 
the one thing they do know about, they've been learning about the browser. Mm -hmm. They've been learning about how the components in a browser work, things mm -hmm. like the DOM and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, they've been using Silverlight. Okay, mm -hmm. that's... Uh, so, well, the cost of reversal there, we've got a bunch of software we've written. I suppose, okay. I, I guess it's for, what was it for? Were you trying to make software that was available everywhere? Yeah. If you were trying to do that, you know, now you have a bigger cost of reversal because you can't even use a XAML stack, really. Well, unless no, no, unless sure. you use multiple native platforms, but yeah, and 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 what it may be is is you, you may say okay, well now 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 the, the kind of the course correction we're going to do there is we're going to take everything we've learned about solving this problem. Yeah. So actually, you know, the silver light part of it wasn't that much of the complexity. The complexity was sure. figuring out how we're going to render this really complex, uh, I don't know, payroll domain sure, yeah, yeah. into a browser. Yeah. Well, now that knowledge immediately applies to the guys doing it in HTML5 and JavaScript and whatever else. Sure. And they're going to get there faster. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah, we've got this rewrite thing we've got to do, and that sucks, right. and they're going, to, they're going to drop the Silverlight platform, and yada, yada, yada. Right. But the, 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 the second iteration, if you like, of getting this thing, of, of getting this thing on an on HTML5 platform, right, right. not that big of a cost. Right, yeah. Costs again, tend to go down over costs time. Costs tend to go down. And, and, and again, and, and this comes back to the ignorance thing. When I first started doing this, A, I, I, I wasn't aware that I wasn't aware of Microsoft's plans to end sure. of life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, I wasn't aware of a ton of stuff about solving this problem. Mm -hmm. And now I'm going to go into the second cut of this, aware of those things. Yeah. I'm going to go way faster. Yeah, there's a whole yeah. bunch of unknowns you, that aren't unknown anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're, they're now, at, at best, they're, they're known unknowns. At best, they're on first order ignorant. Right. I'm probably already not even that. I've probably gone and solved those things because that right. was part of delivering this thing in the first place. Sure. Yep. So, Carl. Yeah, Richard. You ever embed Excel into an application? Ugh. You know, that's right up there with sticking ice picks in my ears. Nice. Because your end users have to have the right version of Office and all that stuff. Yeah. And it has that extra layer of dependency. What I want is just a way to take all that Excel goodness and plop it right into my .NET application. Well, you reminded me of Farpoint Spread from the old days. Yeah, 20 years ago I used Farpoint Spread. But now, of course, it's Component1Spread.net. And now, you know, they have this version that's both for ASP.net and for Windows Forms in one package. Nice. Yeah, it's two different controls, obviously, but it's in one package, so... You bought one, you bought the other. Right. Spread.net from Component 1. Smarter components for smarter developers. Like I say, there's, there's a lot of things that sound like they're, they're, they're the big decisions. Mm -hmm. um, one of the more subtly toxic ones I've been in, I was involved with a few years ago was an app that effectively it was, uh, it was, it was sending messages to British Telecom, the, the, the UK, the guys that own all the, all the copper, if you like, all, all yep. the copper in, into, into people's homes, mm -hmm. phone lines. Um, when, when, when the UK unrolled broadband, the, the, the way it worked was, um, like lots of people could resell broadband, but mm -hmm. essentially what they were doing was sending messages to BT saying, you know, can Richard <laughs> do have this, broadband? Do that. Time? Yeah. And, and all of the broadband provisioning systems were the myriad ways that BT said no. <laughs> yeah. So, so, right. so, so, so there'd be, uh, can, can Carl have broadband? No, not until June. Oh right. crap. Right. Oh crap, right? Or no, he can't have 10 meg, but he can have 8 meg. Yeah. Or no at all, and, when, and, and he never will. So right. there's lots of different kinds of no. Yeah. I mean, this is the most by the numbers messaging system you could imagine. It's sure. like send a message off, asynchronously get a response, and, and uh, correlate. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Done. No. Because the lead engineer on this thing knew J2EE and knew Enterprise Java, this was going to be an Enterprise Java problem. No matter this what. This was going to be a synchronous Enterprise Java. So we've got utterly, utterly the wrong shaped hammer yep. to solve this problem. And it led on to... 
just insane amounts of additional technical complexity. Right. Because mm-hmm. they're trying to solve the, the problem in, you know, using utterly the wrong shape. Yeah. And those decisions, I mean, the, the, again, the cost of reversal of that decision would have been pretty low mm-hmm. because, sure. you know, okay, well, let's just start over and make this a messaging system. Oh, we're done. Right. But the, the, <laughs> right, the, 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 the implementation cost of that bad decision was like so much would, higher well it was it was a, an extra zeros on the end of the project budget sure i mean it really was orders of magnitude more expensive the other question here is as you know you know we talk about delaying that decision yes until it ex- before it expires yeah. you, and in saying that that particular example the further you went down that wrong path mm-hmm. the greater the cost of reversal the cost was going up as more and more code was being written in a bad direction uh Kind of. Well, it was, it was, it's more that the, the, the sunk cost is increasing. Right. But the cost of reversal is still, if we start over and make this messaging system, what's it going to be? It's about the same price. The it's whole about time. the same. So, so the cost of reversal stays fairly uniform. Right. So it's really just separating the, the, the amount the of money you're hemorrhaging away. And also then it's the, uh, the, the, the other big thing that people miss is opportunity cost. Right. It's all the things I could have been doing yeah. with that money, with those people, with that time while I was doing this. Right. And that, that's a massive And I think cost. a lot of people have struggle with understanding the sunk cost versus the opportunity cost. Yes, yes. You know, they're very different things. And you have to, you yeah. know, we got to keep going this because we spent so much. Yes. Well, and this is the sunk cost fallacy. Mm-hmm. And my, my, my favorite uh, illustration of the sunk cost fallacy is, a, is a, the, the, the saying, it doesn't matter how far you've gone down the wrong road, it's still the right thing to turn around. Yep. Yeah. Right. That's right. Doesn't <laughs> yeah, matter oh, how I've deep gone the this hole far is. down the road. Surely yeah. we should know. We've Doesn't gone matter so how far. deep the hole is. Yeah. Stop, stop digging. digging. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 And it's and, it, and it's it, it's exactly that. So um, so uh, sunk cost and, and and the sunk cost fallacy is especially prevalent when you have cost uh, metrics rather than result metrics. Right. What I mean by that is uh, so result metric is how quickly can I get this out. Mm-hmm. It's like a, it's like a result metric. That's that's from a consumer's perspective. How quickly can I turn this around? Yeah. Uh, how much stuff can I put in this that, that's going to delight you? That, mm-hmm. that that's a result metric. Right. The cost metric is uh, what's my cost per use. Mm-hmm. So I've bought this really big, slow, expensive, heavy technology. So now that's a sunk cost. Yep. The way to make that look less horrific is to see how many people in my organization I can inflict it on. Right. Because the more people I can, I, the more people I can shackle with this thing, the lower my cost per use. That's right. job security. So right that's job there. security right there. So, so, so I, I'm going to actively go out and sabotage other teams <laughs> in order to reduce a metric. Is that uh-huh. a useful metric? Absolutely evil. <laughs> Absolutely evil. And so this, you know, cost per use, uh, the blanket licensing thing. Well, obviously, the more people we can get using this thing, the cheaper the license. No, the license cost X. You've now spent X. Get over X. Mm-hmm. Now Moving what are we going to do? Right. Yeah. Given that X is already spent, what's the best way to approach this problem? So yeah. this is a theme we come back to on the show over and over again, which is, you know, that we were talking about people's uh, natural tendency to make things up when they don't have answers. Uncertainty, and yep. so this happens uh, to the best of us when, when somebody calls us a guru about a particular topic or, you know, I'm an expert on this particular topic. And then you get asked a question which you did know the answer to is, I don't know. Or I don't have enough information. Or, 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 or you can't know. Or no I, one wants to hear you I can't, can't know. Yeah, or mm-hmm. I can't know. It's unknowable. But, but that's not what happens. You know, what happens is we'll BS our way through that answer and yep. come up and try to stumble on the solution as we're listening to what's coming out of our mouths. 
I'm going to say person, some words until I can, oh, there's a hook. Right. Yes, I've got yeah. an answer for you. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> right? So, so it's just like, it's a human thing. So not realizing that that happens, you almost, it's almost like the story that you were talking about religion, you know, the Dalai Lama. People will make these treks to go see the Dalai Lama because they have this pressing problem that they want to talk to the Dalai Lama about, right? You know, or some guru. And so you, the, the story always ends the same way. You know, the guru says, how should I know? You know, like, <laughs> I, what do I look like? You know, I, yeah. why would, you would the I, Dalai Lama? <laughs> I don't know the answer to that. Only you yeah. can answer that question, yeah. right? Absolutely. Yeah. What, you know, what should I do? Only you can answer that question. Well, and, and in fact, some, something that I try and do, and this is with my, both my coaching and my kind of consulting hat on, I guess, is, um, so I, one of the few qualifications I have is I'm a qualified life coach. I went on a life coaching course a number mm-hmm. of years ago. Wow. Um, and it was fantastic. Absolutely brilliant, brilliant. Just two weeks, two weeks with a chunk of time in the middle to kind of let, 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 let right. it process. Um, and the kind of the, the, the golden rule, if you like, that you take away from coaching is that you're not an expert, you're, you're not an expert in, 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 in the person or in the situation. Right, right. What you're an expert in is asking the questions. Right. right. And you, and they're the expert in themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, you're so, a mirror. so, yeah, yeah, they're, they're the guru. So, so, so if you say, so, so when someone says, oh, what, what's the answer to this thing? You can say, you know, I don't know, or, you know, who do you think I am? Mm. What, something you can do that is you can help them explore it. You can help them get outside of their own head for right. it. Mm-hmm. They say, okay, well, uh, I, I need to make this really difficult decision. Okay. What, 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 what are your possible options here? Well, I could do A, B, or C. Okay. Imagine you did A, and imagine you did B, and imagine you did C. So there's going to be three calls. Mm-hmm. Right, and these three culls, one of them did A, one of them did B, and one of them did C. Mm. It's a year later. The three culls are sitting in a bar, and you're sitting there with them, mm-hmm. and they're talking. Yeah. What conversation are they having? Right, right. Oh, well, the the one that did A is saying uh, it seemed like a really good idea for a while, but then I realised that I didn't have that. Uh. And then the one, oh, okay, now I know what I need to do. Right, yeah. you knew all along. Right. Yeah. What you needed right. was to be distant from the from yeah, the thing right. for a bit. Right, and so so you can create, you can help people create perspective for themselves. Mm-hmm. Perspective is really what it's all about, no matter what you're talking about. If you're talking about a decision of technology or yeah. a business domain decision, it's even that whole discovery process is about gaining perspective. It's about gaining perspective, yeah. and it's about and, and again, this is so. So, I, I guess what one of the kind of premises of that is, I'm assuming that the stuff I'm second order ignorant of, there will be at least one person in the room who isn't right. And all I need to do is make that serendipitous interaction. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the way to do that, uh, Linus Pauling has this lovely quote, uh, the way to have a good idea is to have lots of ideas. Yes. Right? <laughs> the, the way to have productive conversations is to have lots, lots of conversations of com- yeah. and accept that 98.3% of them will be unproductive. Right. But the gold that you find <laughs> in that odd right. one odd percent is, is worth all of it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you want to be accurate, not precise. You want to be accurate, not precise. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and lots and lots of touches is going to give you more accuracy. Lots and lots of touches across lots of different axes. And mm-hmm. this is the thing is when you, in particular, the thing I've seen work well is when you get people who wouldn't usually interact, mm-hmm. interacting. So you get the tester talking to the sysadmin. Mm-hmm. You get the product owner talking to the uh, the programmer. You right. get the team lead or the, the scrum master or the, whatever, the project manager. Um Talking to the operations guys. Yep. Who Developers talking to customers. Yeah. Like- talking, you, you get customers in talking to uh, analysts. Mm-hmm. You, know? you just get different people having conversations. And it's not just bilateral. 
because they're having conversations around other people. Mm -hmm. And what you really want is overhearing things and going, that doesn't sound right. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, but there's something you just said or I just overheard. Did you just say that you'd do that in dollars? Why would you do that in dollars? Or, mm -hmm. What do you mean? You mean there's? You mean I, I could do it in another currency? Bang! I I, I was second order ignorant. I yeah. was just assuming that all of this thing was going to be in dollars. It's right. suddenly. It's only now that I realise it's going to have to work in multiple territories with different currencies. Yeah. And actually, that gives me a lever. I could pay for any of these things in any of those currencies. Guess what? Right. Wow. Hang on. I've just invented an internal foreign foreign exchange pool in right. my project plan. Yeah. yeah right. I think the, right. the phrase you're looking for is "Oh crap." Oh crap! Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, no, it could even be "Oh cool." Yeah, you know, discovery can be a positive thing. It's sure. like, oh cool, I didn't even realize that we could take this massive shortcut. Mm -hmm. You know, right. oh cool, some other team already did most of this. Right. Yeah. You know that thing that they tried for about a year and then they canned the project. Well, they didn't can the technology and they didn't can the learning, and and Dave's just become available. Oh cool. Right. Yeah. Oh cool. How quickly are we going to get our deployment platform now? Because like Dave's all over that. You know, and right. and so that starts to happen. So do you typically, when you go into a project like this, do you get people together for a meal? Um, well, so, so the first thing I'll do um, is buy coffee. And I'll buy coffee for individuals. All right, so you get so, the individual so get story first. I want to get individual stories. And really what I want to hear is, um, what are you excited about here? What are you frustrated about here? What are your concerns? What, where, where do you think this is going? Yeah. Tell, me, tell, me, tell me what shape this is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there was one project I did this with, uh, oh, a few years ago now. And there were, it, it, was, it, was, it was like the perfect case study. There were nine people in the team. Three of them were consultants from the mm -hmm. company I was working at. Three of them were independent contractors and three of them were permies. So you had like, you know, your, your control group. And they were all pulling in different ways. It was like, you know, nine cats with their tails tied together. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and every one of them was like, everyone else is crap. Yeah. So, I, I, so, so I'm like, okay, what are we going to do? And I took them out one, one, one at a time for coffee. And I yeah. got through a lot of coffee and got quite wide. And what I heard again and again and again, it was exactly the same, same. story. They all wanted the same thing. Yeah. But because they were also all protecting their positions and territory and reputation and mm. yada, yada, mm. none of them were prepared to concede that they all wanted the same thing. That's funny. So I just stood there and went, what if we did this thing? And everyone went, yeah. Uh, oh. Uh, uh. <laughs> they all said, yeah, at the same time. Yeah, guy. exactly. And they went, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, it looks oh like we're doing goodness. that thing then. <laughs> we, we have agreement. That oh, can't be good. We're in violent agreement. We're in violent agreement. And, and, and in fact, there was another situation in the same team where there were two uh, uh, diametrically opposing schools of thought with mm -hmm. one of these things that would have been an expensive decision. Mm. So I said, okay, uh, and, and we, need to, we need to make a decision about this thing. Mm -hmm. We can't just leave it. Right. So I said, okay, uh, I'm going to do both. And they're like, you can't do both. No, I know. I know we can't end up with both, but I'm going to do both. Right. I'm going to do both. As a team, we're all going to do both right. for long enough until the data tells us which one we should take. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if the data over time doesn't tell us which one we can take, it doesn't matter. So at that point, I'll toss a coin. Right. The data told us. And the data told us in a way that no one lost face. It was like, oh, we didn't realize that this emergent behavior was going to happen. Right. So now, as the data is telling us, the person who had been like really promoting this one strategy mm. was like, I mean, okay, I did this at my last place and it worked really well and I've done it before, but I can see here why it won't. Yeah. Dang, and it's, and it's got nothing to do with the quality of his decision making or thinking or anything like that. It's empirical data. It's empirical this data. This is what has happened. Empirical data has a lot less sting. Mm -hmm. It's a lot less emotional. Yeah. 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 I think it's one of the problems you have with the planning. Yeah. Because you're making a whole lot of decisions blind. 
Yes. And uh, and somewhat arbitrary. And hanging your reputation on Every it. Every time and you now, And now that's sunk cost, right? Yeah. Now you've got the... the I, 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 I've said that we have to use Silverlight. I've invested yeah. in these right, things. Right, right, right. And now, and I was actually, I was thinking about like my, my, my background happens mm-hmm. to think about your Silverlight mm-hmm. example. So one thing I might do with my 200 developers who are all you know, Silverlight experts is to firstly reframe it. You're all web experts who've yeah. been using Silverlight. That's sure. right. As we do new screens, we're going to do new screens in HTML5. Mm-hmm. We're going to frame these things together in such a way that from a UX perspective, from a user's perspective, it's, it doesn't matter. It's the same thing. Right. Yeah. It looks the same way. We'll make it look the same, behave the same, feel the same, all of that. Right. So we can incrementally work our way out of this. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're not going, oh, stop the bus. Let's start over, do this sure. thing. We're going yeah, to, sure. as, we, as we come to these things, we're going to, we're, we're going to, we're going to pick out the new stuff in JavaScript and then, yeah. So that, that again gives you, it, it softens the blow of that cost of reversal. Right, right. You can amortize it. Sure. And because that's actually what's going to happen, right? It takes time. Everybody's yeah. got to do some work and there yeah, will yeah, be, yeah, exactly. be pro- yeah. progress there. Yeah. You, you won't just stop the world and redo it all. No. So, yeah, so Dan, sense. what's the next conference for you? Um, oh, so, well, so the next thing I'm doing is I'm, I'm, I'm running a public course in Oslo next week. Hmm, great. Faster software delivery. Um, of course, the, the challenge we have here is the temporal thing, yes. which is the use of the word next week. Yeah. Uh, Douglas Adams has a whole fantastic uh, <laughs> thing about uh, time, about uh, tenses, yes. and the use of the word, uh, the use of different kinds of tenses. And he says, uh, so, so he's talking about tenses, and he says, um, there's a, a famous book called Dan Street Mentioner's Book of a Thousand and One Favorite Tenses. Okay. <laughs> and, and 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 the tenses for all possible situations, including the possibility of having a conversation whilst traveling through time, talking about an event that you sail past. That's great. And, and, it says, it says, and, and the only thing we can know about tenses is that the word is that the phrase future perfect has been dropped because we know it isn't. So anyway, so so next week in 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 in, in the middle of November, I mm-hmm. will be traveling to uh, doing a public course in Oslo, faster software delivery. Mm-hmm. So faster software delivery is. Um, I'm kind of applying all of this uncertainty and these patterns and these kind of things. How could that help you go faster? Like, okay. so we've got you know things like Scrum, DSDM, Crystal, all those things. All those methods are a great way of getting from you know this stuck delivery to any kind of something that's iterative. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, th- this is the and then what? Yeah. So so great. I'm delivering every week. Or I'm delivering every month. And then what? Well, you know, then what dials do I need to turn to deliver twenty, thirty times a day? Mm-hmm. Right. How quickly can I turn around products? How you know? How can I run with tw- with four or five different concurrent product lines? And that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. those sorts of things. So so I'm running a series of courses about that. Um, and then I'm very excited. I'm off to Australia. Mm. So, oh, uh, there's, a, there's a conference in Australia, mini conference in Australia, or a conference in Australia that, that takes place in three towns back to back. So it's Melbourne, Brisbane, Sydney. Nice. So three days in each. Ah, oh, it's going to be awesome. That's yeah. fantastic. So, we'll have, and in the right hemisphere at the right time of year. Oh, unfortunately, it'll just be late spring going into summer in oh, Sydney. Yeah, I, I don't know shame. what I'm going to do. Oh, it's a shame. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the, tr- the trials of a jobbing uh, consultant. And you'll, yeah. you'll be at work. Oh, yeah. This is your job. By which I mean on the beach. Yes. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you very much, Dan North. Thank you very much for having me, guys. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. Hey, thanks for listening. And remember, Pluralsight.com is where you can get 200 minutes of free video training by guests on .NET Rocks and other experts in the field. Pluralsight.com. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, 
audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a transmitter band by the FCC. Yes, I'm